With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. What makes for a great vacation? Depends on who you ask. Are you looking to get away or bring everyone together? Do you want to get outside and play? or see a play at the plate. Fortunately, however you operate, I'm the destination you've been looking for. The name's Missouri, but you can call me Mo. And I have just one question. What's your MO? To find your MO, tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com. It is your instant match reaction for Tottenham 1, Everton 0 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Grim night for Everton, chance for them to really make a case for European football, and they failed, as they tend to do in these games. Joining me to go through it is Rob Vera, Adam Sutton, Dave Downey. Um, who wants to go first, lads? Um, you know, don't don't all jump in at once because it was, it's it's a hard game to pick the bones out of. But um, I mean, I'll come to you first, Adam. It was a game that that Everton Evertonians were relatively hopeful going into, wondering could this be the one where these sorts of things change? And you sat here afterwards wondering why you ever felt confident because Everton in these football matches just never, ever step up and do the job. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's one of those things where it's that false hope that you give yourself before a big game that Everton need to win to do any form of pushing towards those European places. It's it's always the case with us that we get to a position where we think, hang on, we can have a go here and we can can really stamp a marker and start to to give the likes of Sky a bit of a problem when it comes to picking this top six, top <laughs> seven that we never seem to be put in. And and in fact actually half the time we don't well a lot of the time we don't even deserve to be mentioned. And I think Gary Neville has it spot on on every time he and it, it's weird he seems to have like a, a want for him to do well and it's actually more of like a, a pain for him to say that every time we get into a position where we can go and be, beat a big team away from home as I say to really stamp a marker on the league we just flap it and it, there's, there's no one in that team that I thought is going to grab this game by the scruff of the neck and grind us out results the only person is Andy Gordon when he comes on and he's, what, 18 years of age? Yeah. And that's scary. It's scary that we've got a full squad of players who 
don't look like they can go to a top six team and get three points. Uh, Dave, I'll come to you next. What, what did you make of it all? It was very pathetic, wasn't it? It was, it was a performance that we've come to sadly be familiar with over the years, only not under Carlo Ancelotti thus far. Um, he, he's not taking any points away from any of the top six sides. Uh, and I think we, I've said for, for many weeks now, Matt, that um, in the past we've had this problem and, a, and maybe a disparity between who people decide to blame about this on, ongoing mess that is our squad our team and our club for the last five years or so. Uh, it's even longer than that now, isn't it? It's about seven years. Um, and the answer would often vary from, you know, certain players to the manager of the day and things like that. And and I think we all categorically agreed that the onus has to be on the footballers at the football club um, because you look at the tools Carlo Ancelotti's got to operate with and I've sung from the rooftops about how he's handled that situation. Um, particularly since the restart, then you have to, you, you can't not point the finger at the players. Carlo Ancelotti can only work with what he's got. He can only make certain substitutions. He can only work with certain systems to suit what I think is a, let's be honest, a piss poor squad. It's a really poor squad of players. It's not average, it's worse than average, which is why I haven't found themselves in a below average position in the in the Premier League. Yes, there's what we can now say delusions of grandeur of trying to get into Europe next season. That you know, people are pointing out to me that that can still happen this season. I tell you what, the the teams above us have got to put on some sort of poor show that's even worse than that um, for us to sneak into Europe next season. And let's be honest, we don't deserve to be in Europe next season. That squad of players doesn't, and there's only a handful of them I think deserve to be wearing the shirt right now. Um, and and you know. That sounds like it, it may be a little bit hypocritical considering the praise I was loading on this team. I wasn't, in fact, I got criticised myself for not praising the team and just praising the manager because that's the only way we're getting results right now is because you've got a mastermind of a manager who is able to somehow manipulate his way through games with a substandard squad of players. Today, we were found one, not against the side that was any better, really. Didn't think Spurs were great shakes at all. It was a painful game to watch on the eye. Um, jammy goal probably should have been a draw because they were both crap barely had shots on goal um, there was only a couple of seconds after Pickford saves easily and it was just a thoroughly depressing night and, a, and a, you know another massive wake up call to the work that needs doing here but you know the, the, the most infuriating thing was that we went there with full faith in Carlo and, and him being able to to pull off a Houdini-esque three points once again and we were found wanting because these players are substandard. It had nothing to do with the system and shape that he set us up in. They can't do much more, really, other than the fact I thought maybe he could make an early change in that midfield because it was that bad. Gomez, Davis offered nothing. It was Andre Gomez. It was comfortably Andre Gomez's worst game in an Everton shirt. Hmm. Yeah, really struggled there. Rob, what about yourself? Well, I always love being on one of these with Dave because it's guaranteed that I will not have the most negative opinion of uh, <laughs> from an evaluation standpoint. Uh, well, at least you're making us all smile there, bro. I'm going to get you guys. I'm going to just, you know, put a little bit of American sunshine on, on this turd of a, a game that we just watched. <laughs> but um, look, I, I, I've, I try to always hark back to the, to the things that I, have brought up um, in in kind of the short and medium term because I think that 
whenever I, I think that we as a collective fan base at times uh, are too we're too prone to uh, get swayed by the most recent thing we've seen um, and we we start to get ourselves excited and we start to at times, not that we totally, totally forget the the longer term or more medium term deficiencies with the squad, but uh, there are times where we can get away with it. To Dave's point, maybe it's because uh, of the the tactical uh, nous of of the manager. It's the it's the dynamic uh, performances that we'll occasionally get from guys like Richarlison or Calvert Lewin, um, who who certainly are not part of the problem as I see it. Um, but at the end of the day, um, what is what's the, what was the biggest deficiency today? What has been the biggest deficiency all season? What has been the biggest deficiency of this thing for half a decade? It is a, a complete lack of ideas in the midfield. It is a complete lack of frankly, the kind of alpha male, you know, grab the game by the scruff of the whatever, whatever that we keep saying that we need. Um, we, we just don't have difference makers. And, and I was saying to Matt before we started that the, the biggest takeaway I had today was that we had, we fielded a starting 11 who were pretty much to a man non-factors today. Um, they weren't even necessarily always bad. They were just complete non-factors. Now, as the game went on, some of them just got worse and worse and worse. To, to Dave's point, Andre Gomes was, was, was not good today. He was bad. He was bad. Um, I don't know uh, if Andre Gomes is one of those players who will be better if he has a more capable partner next to him. But let's be honest, Tom Davis and, and Gildy Sigurdsson are certainly not the answer there. And, and, and now Gomez is, is now beginning to make us all ask if, if he is even part of a, 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 a functioning uh, midfield moving forward. Um, the, the best, I mean, the, the best thing I can say about this game was that uh, at least when we had to start making some subs that, uh, Anthony Gordon came on and really once again acquitted himself well, but it only underscored the point that he should have started. And I don't know why he didn't start. And I don't know why to Matt's tweet earlier, why he isn't starting every single game from this point forward. Um, and it is scary that someone so young is playing that well. Um, I thought to a lesser degree that, that uh, given Holgate uh, got injured, I, I was a little scared of, of having a keen Amina pairing, but I, I've got to say that, to me, the back line was fine defensively. I don't think that that was – you can't really blame Michael Keane for that goal. Uh, I thought Yerry Mina came in and played well. It's sad that Yerry Mina probably created the best chance of the game with his pass to Richarlison, uh, and that's sad. As Patty pointed out, that's really, really sad. So, um, you know, to, to Dave's point, is the entire squad – uh, horrible. I, I I don't think I I can quite go there. When we all believe that we found you know a couple of strikers that work well, we've got a a, a four man backline who you know defensively speaking have been good since the restart. But what are we coming back to once again, over and over and over and over? We have a midfield that cannot do its job in terms of um, in terms of moving the game forward, creating enough chances. Um, I can't remember what the final number was, but I think we had two shots on goal in this game. Maybe I think three. Keen may have had a third one late. I mean, until you get until you get difference makers. And Dave, you and I talked about this months ago that it wasn't about quantity in the transfer window. It had to be about impact players 
in certain positions. And now I think the question is not, do we need an impact player in midfield? It's how many uh, impact players do we need midfield in order to really move this thing forward? Because right now it, it just looks like we are completely bereft of both ideas and endeavor in that part of the pitch. I look around at the, the teams that Everton are aspiring to, to be in, in with a shot with of those top six, top seven positions. And I always come back to Wolves who for however many years were nowhere near the team that Everton were in the Premier League. Thinking back to 08-09, 10-11, where they would be up and down in leagues, struggling to, to get near the top of the championship. And I watched them the other day and their midfield especially and think like who would who would I have from that from that Wolves midfield and they've got Dendonka they've got that Roman Saiz they've got Moutinho Neves and then they've got three or four other lads who come in one in three games one in four games and put eight out of ten performances in performances in Pedro Neto and those those sorts of lads like, and what what he's done the, the Wolves gaffer is build a team around a strong central defensive pairing, or a, or a three really, actually, that they, they seem to play a lot more. And midfielders who know exactly what they need to do, and he gets the best out of them every single week. Right? They don't go and blow teams away every single week. They might be sixth, seventh, and win three games on the bounce, and then go and have a couple of poor performances. But he's got those two lads who sit in front of the back four, whether it be Sice or Dendonka. And then they've got two lads in front of them, creative flair, they've got pace going forward, they've got a true number nine who knows how to score goals. And they've been in the Premier League two years. They've come in, they are honestly making us look like a team that, that, that doesn't deserve to be in the top half, never mind challenging for positions in Europe like them. And, and they are another squad that has dealt with a European competition this year. They've played like, what, double the amount of games we've played and they're finishing stronger than anyone. So I, th I think from, from our perspective, as, as Rob says, it, it is about that quality of signings when it comes to transfer windows. But at the same time, like, this has to be built up over a number of years. And yeah, we've been blighted by injury at certain points, but we have three midfielders in our team who just seem to get in, into the team no matter what type of performance they're putting in the week before. There's nothing to be scared of. You just go into the starting eleven because there's no one else to replace them. I mean, we we asked for comments on this tonight, and we've had absolutely loads. So thanks very much for everyone for getting in touch. It tends to be the way more when we get beat than when we win, but you know we are where we are. <laughs> thanks for interacting anyway. Uh, but Dave, so many of the com of the the comments we've had, I'd say about seventy five percent of them are about the midfield. Uh, Callum Lapsey, can we sell Bernard and Sigurdsson? Who else? Uh, Matthew Pickford, midfield play may as well have not been playing. Danny, have we got a central midfield play with some balls? James Priestley, it's not creativity concerns me the most, but buying one creative midfielder won't solve the problem. The best teams have creativity all over the pitch. Andre, maybe Andre Gomez, uh, no pace, no midfield, no idea, no nothing. Just Steve Jones, last one, midfield is horrendous, front lads feeding up scraps. The squad are clueless going forward, it's seen void of ideas, and we always look like we've got a mistake because we're the back. And I think, you know, it was, it was interesting that Gary Neville was on commentary tonight because I think, you know, as... As Adam sort of alluded to there, you sort of get the sense that he wants Everton to do well and wants Everton to progress. And, you know, I think we all sort of, he became an honorary Evertonian for those few seconds in the first half when he analysed that guilty Sigurdsson tackle. And, and let's not, you know, let's not 
single out Sigerson because all the midfield reports tonight won't be Gomez was well off it. Tom Davis was just typically Tom Davis. Sigerton, passive, didn't really put his foot in. Certainly didn't look like a leader out there on the pitch. And Iwobi was hooked at half-time. I mean, you're looking at that area of the pitch now and even Gomez, you're sort of saying, is, is, he, is he up to it now with the Premier League with his, with his physicality or, or lack of physicality? And you could even say that Everton need an, an entire new foursome in there, if you will. Well, they do. They, they need all that, and we look. We know all that. It's it's, it's old ground to talk about the the, the the problems in that midfield because they're not going to be solved quickly. Um, look, Gomez, if we're honest with ourselves, even pre that horrendous injury, wasn't was not pulling up any trees at all. I mean, I remember watching him when we won at Burnley five one on Boxing Day of twenty eighteen. I think it was, and he looked absolutely knackered, and we were able to make that excuse that he was completely run into the ground by Marco Silva at the time. But now I look at him and I, and, and I see a really cumbersome midfield player that's lost any sort of energy in, in his role that he's meant to be doing. Now, again, I think people, his, 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 you know, his, his biggest fans will say, well, you know, maybe he's still feeling the effects of that injury. That was seven months ago now. And he's had a four-month period to get even fitter in, in, in the lockdown. And yet... We're still seeing a player who, who looks as slow as we've ever seen them, really. I don't remember him being like this. I mean, you know, I, I compared it to when I watched him at Anfield when the pick for Tyler goes in and he was brilliant that day. He was full of energy. He, he gave the Liverpool midfield the run around at times and that's the team that go on to finish second that season and champions this season. Where's all that gone? And I can only put it down to the, the injuries be had a debilitating effect on him. Um, maybe maybe physically in terms of he's not fully able to exert himself the way he used to and he's got a physical issue or if it's inside his head that there's, there's some sort of there's a mental issue with him getting up to full speed of Premier League games but I mean he had legs running around him tonight didn't he in the Spurs midfield Harry Winks is no slouch he had Son coming inside he had Musa Sissoko who's a powerhouse very intelligent football in the midfield as well do, do you know what just, just on that, you say about you know what the type of player he's becoming. One of the things we said about Michael Keane in recent years is that he's he's a player that sort of needs all the pieces around him to be functional yeah. and and do well and be an effective player for this team. And it feels a bit like Gomez is is sort of getting in that mould now, where you need yeah. lads in the team to carry him to for him to be effective. You know, it's the weekend about you know, just in general about stats. And one of the main stats that he picked up on from the restart is that Gomez had been dribbled past more than any other player in the Premier League since that restart, since the restart. And Everton have played a game less than most sides as well. So, and I think he's put some more numbers up about that tonight. It's, it feels very much as though now, certainly post-injury, that he's a player that, that you look at in the same way as Michael Keane, that you say, well, the pieces need to be there for him to be as effective as, he, as we want him to be. Well, yeah, but we can say that about so many of the bloody players, can't we? <laughs> who, who need that, and we haven't got the, the players to beat those around them. That's that's the problem, isn't it? You know, you need someone with legs around that Andre Gomez. Well, who's that? There's no one there with legs around him. Uh, there hasn't been since just a guy left. Michael Keane, yeah, you've got Holgate to get out of trouble. He went off tonight. I, I don't think we particularly look like we struggled in defence. And and to be fair to the back four. We can see there's a purely fluky goal that's going off a, a goal kick if Michael Keane doesn't try and attempt to, to get back in it. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to label too much criticism at the back four, but it's everywhere else, isn't it? I mean, 
you make the, you make that argument if you were to drop Richarlison. That's the only way that she's getting around it. Is putting Richarlison deeper, which sadly affects Dominic Carvalho Lewin and any sort of semblance we have of scoring some goals. You drop him deeper because he has got the legs to get around. He, he he'll do everybody else's running. He's a sacrificial lamb in that regard, and I felt sorry for him tonight because he he was also kicked from pillar to post, and it was quite clearly a targeted. Um, affair from Jose Mourinho that they were going to get players to do that to him and, and try and frustrate him and they did it well to be fair but you know we, we, we say so much about these players that all of the downfalls they have seem to be something that we look for in players around them and th- there's an absence of them as well that's why yeah. it's really poor I'm, I'm literally having a conversation right now with Miguel Delaney who's sort of he, he's pulled out this piece that he wrote about um Ancelotti says Everton seems to have mostly invested a lot in him there were questions about his record when he was at his peak and that was a long way from his peak he's been responsible for some bad games so far I don't buy that whatsoever I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not somebody who, some sort of sensationalist about football managers because we've had our fair share of crap at Everton in recent years and, and they, they've, all, they've all fallen by the wayside Carlo Ancelotti first of all I, I dispute the point he's making there about him not being at his peak, even when he was at his peak. I'm not sure what he's talking about there, but what I've said to him is, you know, you look at that side, you look at the, the fragility in the squad, you look at the lack of penetration from those midfield areas. That squad, to me, is is simply probably 14, 13th, 14th best in that in that league, if mm-hmm. you go through it team by team and actually study it. It's a poor, it's a poor quality team, yet he's been able to get that points return since he come in, without having any of his own players in there. The one person you can't blame in all of this is Carlo Ancelotti. It's not his tactics, the reason we lost tonight. It's Gilfie Sigurdsson shitting out of tackles on the halfway line, followed by Alex Wobie, who does the same. Alex Wobie cleaning through on goal, you know, puts his foot down a little bit more, not goes half-assed, that it probably gets there, maybe gets the keeper sent off at the very least, maybe scores a goal. It's those things that are costing Everton. And the... the, the the lack of any sort of nous in this midfield, in, in attacking areas, any time they get the ball, that's what's failing Everton, not Carlo Ancelotti. What, mm. what, you know, I'd ask this to Miguel, what, what do you do if you're a manager? See, it's just the same as if you throw, and it used to be the age-old argument, didn't it? Mourinho, Chelsea's got all the money to spend in the world. What happens if you put him in charge of a, a team that's near the bottom of the league and he still get the same out of them? Of course he can't, because if the players aren't good enough, Carlo yeah. Ancelotti's not able Nobody is able to get more out of those players. I'm pure. I'm completely convinced of that. No manager, because they're all most of them to a man are poor players, and they're simply not good enough for this football club. Wow, uh, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so so we we've we're good at diagnosing the problem, um, and I think that Dave's generally spot on. I, I think though that. We now have to kind of shift our attention to what is what, what is the realistic remedy to a lot of the things that we're seeing. And, and it's not, I think as we've learned over the years, it's not going to simply be just throwing um, money at the problem. Um, it's funny that Adam talked a lot about the, the Wolves midfield, and I, I don't know this for a fact, Adam, but... I start to think that between what we paid for Gomez and Gomez and Sigurdsson, um, I'm kind of wondering if we spent more on our midfield than they've spent. Then you, if you want to add in, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Absolutely, we'll do that. Yeah, Missy. Yeah, and and we're not even and we're not even counting. Um, you know, we're not even uh, counting midfielders who we've paid money for that have played 
you know, two games for us and have just been hit by the Everton curse with their injuries either. Uh, I mean, there's, there's all of these factors, but I think that the, the bottom line is that we get, we get like this when we lose and, and I, I get it and we know the problems and we, know the players we don't like anymore and we know the players we have to get rid of and blah 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 blah. but the reality is is that uh, we are about to come we're in the middle of an unprecedented situation both financially both with the uh, the rhythm of of not only the end of this season but the essentially what three to four week off season we're going to get here when they start up again in mid-September um, they're not going to be a lot of easy solutions so the the question becomes of of the players that we saw today even the ones that that were underwhelming you have to ask yourself which are the ones that are actually going to still be part of this thing next season and probably for another season or two just because there's not going to be this mass investment in 20 new players um, which are which are those that Carlo Ancelotti can look at and say I can and make this player better which are the lost causes um, I think the lost causes on this thing are relatively straightforward um, I think we all kind of know that Bern we've seen enough of Bernard to know what he is we've seen enough Gilfie Sigurdsson to know what he is um, we've I'm, no, I'm sorry I'm sorry to say we've oh go ahead I was gonna say is the issue there though that those lost causes you mentioned there those two given the wages they're on yeah and that's the other part of this too they're, they're gonna be they're going to be regular players next season again. Yeah, well, they're either going to be regular players or we're going to have to take some kind of you know major hit financially to try and move them on, um, and, and that that becomes the the quandary that that we enter because it's the, the one thing that is absolutely true about sports is that when it comes to your team, the players on your own team that you hate the most. Uh, are not, believe it or not, not attractive in any sort of proposal 99% of the time to other fan bases as well. If we don't like them, this idea that we can just sell them, I mean, who wants to buy them if they're so bad? Um, to Matt's point, a lot of them are on big wages. And so the question will become, um, you know, the, the, to me, the, the, there are two keys to us being better. One, you know, really three. One is Carlo Ancelotti just having more time with the squad. Two is internal development, which everyone is bored with that term, but it, it, that's absolutely a thing, and we absolutely have to make more of the current resources we already have. And three, it's going to be, of course, recruitment, and it will not be shipping 10 players out and bringing 10 in. It's, it's going to be making shrewd moves here and there, and it's, it's going to be, of course, saying we've got this amount of money where can we actually move the needle in terms of improving quality? Um, as much as we talk about uh, needing to add another center half and, and all of these types of things, I, I, I'm at the point now where I'm almost kind of like, I'd rather take that money and spend it in midfield to get a second impact midfielder, get two midfielders. I could almost live with what we've got defensively if we could add a fourth center, center, center half that is, uh, that is, that you can make do with for a season or that is young enough that you can develop or that we bring Branthwaite up or do so. I don't know. I don't really concern myself with the fourth center half as much. But what I do know is that uh, the situation in central midfield specifically um, is killing us. And I would also point out that, and this is not really to defend Andre Gomes, but this is to ask the question of, uh, of a question that, that the central midfielders on our squad are probably asking them, asking uh, the fans if they, you know, get criticism levied their way. 
you know, if you're starting a game with, with uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson out wide or you're starting it with, you know, moving Tom Davis out wide or you got a Wobie out wide who I'm still not convinced is a wing player anyway, um, you know, how much can they move the needle with those types of options in front of them? And so I, I, I don't know. I know that we can't keep saying, well, uh, certain players have to have everything right going around them. I criticize Michael Keane for that same sort of thing. We can't have these limited one-dimensional players. But when we do add a player or two this summer, they simply have to be alphas. They simply have to be guys that want to come in and expect to have the ball, expect to be there in big moments, expect to, you know, take the brave pass. Uh, we've got too many passengers, and we certainly don't have enough drivers. And until we get some drivers, uh, this bus isn't going anywhere, guys. I've just been um, looking at a couple of stats from tackles attempted by Everton's midfielders tonight. Guilty Sigurdsson, zero. Alex Iwobi, one. Andre Gomez, two. Tom Davis, three. And Andy Gordon, three. And Andy Gordon's had two chances created, 91% pass accuracy. And as much as I'm not really a, a stats type of guy, I sound like Matt Cheatham here. <laughs> but at the same time, like it speaks volumes how much that you were saying before about how much Andre Gomez, or he's the most dribbled pass player since the restart. And I was saying to, to my mates before, how many times do our midfielders get caught so square onto a player that they just become so easily to walk past? Yes. And as, as good as I think Michael Keane's been since the restart, Mason Holgate is at, at protecting teams from, from getting in behind. Like It's so worrying to see a midfield three, four in front of you that just get walked by every single time. I would honestly rather watch them go and kick it, go and kick a player. I, yeah. I'm yeah. Any form of free kicks around the Everton box, but I'd rather that than watch us get caught square. And it's like basics of football. Like I would get screamed at that on a Sunday morning after ten points. <laughs> and Adam play for Everton Football Club. Yeah, and Adam, the point you're making there too makes to me even it's even more alarming when you think that our our back four, our you know our defensive line has has still held up relatively well in terms of of conceding despite having a midfield that people are just walking through. Because as much as we frame the problem with midfield as being one uh, of of compromising our attack and frankly us not scoring the number of goals that we need to score, um, it, it is that too. It is the way that they it, it, it has that double. Effect. Not only are those are they allowing the opposition to walk through them, they're actually then fueling that attack uh, from from the uh, the opposition as well. And it's especially worrying on a day when Spurs had so little um, that <laughs> that that we weren't able to move the needle at least in one of those facets by having one player in midfield be able to hold on to the ball, be able to make a difference in break, breaking up play. We just had none of it. You you almost felt like you could, you could have had no one out there, and it wouldn't have mattered. I think with the likes of other teams in the Premier League who would have gone to, to Spurs tonight and had a go, like you can even look as far as Southampton. I know Sheffield United beat them very comfortably a couple of games ago. The likes of Southampton there, they've got pace going forward. They've got a midfield of technically not brilliant footballers, but they seem to have some form of system where they win the ball and they move it on. That's all they're in the team to do. And, and we talk about no legs in midfield. Essentially, when Idrissa Gay leaves, and, and even to a certain degree, James McCarthy, we haven't got anyone who just does the dirty work. And Tom Davis is never going to be like that. He doesn't want to be like that. Andre Gomez was never like that. He was 
to, was to not bought more. to bring. He wasn't bought to be like that either. <laughs> you look, you look, it's a great point about Garner, Adam, because you sort of look at him and at the time people look at those tackling numbers and say, but if you have someone who's better on the ball, he doesn't have to make those, those amount of tackles. But you look at it now and think, he was covering up all manner of sins from the rest of them. Because, yes. you know, he, he asked for all those challenges and it was, it was so frustrating. But they're just, just to sort of round this up, Dave, obviously we'll, we'll get into this game a little bit more in more detail on Subs Weekly and Weekly this week for play Southampton on Thursday. Um, Everton haven't won at Spurs, I think it is for eight years now. Um, the record, obviously won away at a traditional top six team since 2013 when they won at Manchester United. I sort of put a list up on, on Twitter and you know, on during that game of Liverpool away when they were playing kids, Everton lost. Uh, Arsenal away when they were in a rut under Nick Arteta, Everton lost. Chelsea had eight first team players, I was in jail suspended, Everton lost. And Spurs, who were rolled over and had the tummies tickled by Sheffield United on Thursday. Um, all downbeat, one win in nine, Everton went there and lost. Um, I know we've spoken about this so much, but it's just under the skin of the football club, isn't it? Well, that's the identity we've got right now, isn't it? And and you know, there's no quick shedding of the skin here. As much as we want to believe there is, as much as we want to believe in in what Carlo Ancelotti's um, you know forward-thinking ideas are, uh, you know, a lot of people then inevitably now point put the pressure on what we do in the next transfer window, and people still hold on to this this inherent belief. It seems that he's got to be given money because he's Carlo Ancelotti and we wouldn't have got him at the club unless he was given these promises of, of you know, strong financial backing when it comes to signing players that this squad needs. Well, I tell you what, Everton would have to go some and, and, and there might be a touch of hyperbole in this given the situation of, of tonight's game and the context of it, but Everton would have to go some to get where people will be happy with and that would be you know, four or five places hiding in the league, actually pushing or, you know, near as damn it, having qualified for Europa League after about 33 games of a Premier League season. The, the turnaround, to me, is insurmountable. As optimistic as I am about the future, the stadium, you know, everything people like to roll into these conversations, the reality is very, very stark right now. And it's an alarming reality because... Look, you've got you're going into a transfer window, and I know we want to talk about this all the time, so I'll only briefly touch upon it. But you're looking at going into a transfer window now, where Everton have pretty much briefed everybody, saying that we're only going to be interested in loans, um, free transfers, things like that. You're not you're not going to make giant steps doing that at all. And and once again, like do check out the conversation with Miguel Delaney, by the way. But what he's saying to me about Carlo Ancelotti being past it and things like that. If, if if that if, if I go back to something that we've said all along since he come in, and that is if he can't get a tick out of this squad, if he can't get this going and turn this around, then absolutely nobody can, and we should all pack up and go home. So you know, you, there's there's so much work for him to do. That to me, I actually have a great sympathy with him, and we've not been able to say that about managers in the past because they've blown a lot of money. Um, alongside various directors of football. I've seen, I see tonight Marcel Brands coming in for another pasting simply because of how Andre Gomez played and things like that. Again, the nuances of those things aren't all on his back. I believe the jury's still out on him. Um, but the, the whole thing itself needs some perspective. Now, honeymoon period over for Ancelotti, yes. But that doesn't mean that any of this is his fault simply because of the squad and that's what it all boils down to the quality of these players or in our case 
you know, the poor quality of these players, the lack of quality in this squad, that's that's where we're at right now. And, you know, fair, fair play to the man for doing what he's done so far. Somebody's just sent us the league table, Matt, since he come in and we're fourth in that table. Hmm. You look at that squad and you think, how on earth could that be fourth? How on earth could it be? Yes, he's managed to do that so far. We've I technically been in Champions League form. We've technically been in Champions League form yeah. since up, he up came. Until tonight, <laughs> up until tonight, Rob, the, the league table up to this weekend, Everton were fourth yeah. um, since Carlo Ancelotti's come in. I think that's 14 league games. Right. Well, to me, to me, that's incredible given yeah. what we've got. It hasn't been incredible to watch, far from it, but he's able to get points. And that's what excites me. He's able to polish some turds, as it were. Yeah. But, you know, he's got, he hasn't got enough polish to, to do them all. <laughs> yeah, Dave, I, analogy. I would throw out there, too, that the, the, really, the really hip, edgy corners of football uh, journalists in the, in, on Twitter um, really only rate two managers in this league. And surprise, surprise, they're the two managers who happen to be in the top two for the last few years, okay? Everyone else is past it. Everyone else is too old. Everyone else's ideas are antiquated. So whatever. I, I'm, I'm, I, to your point, if Carlo Ancelotti uh, can't get something, you know, if he can't get something out of whatever something is, I don't think any of us even know anymore. But if he can't get something out of Everton, then, then who else is going to? I, I mean, we've tried every – type of manager every prototype at this point so um but i i reject the notion especially as as you pointed out dave given the given the 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 squad that we've got given a complete lack of midfield a relegation level midfield that we've got for him to have performed as well as he has with this group uh is a minor miracle and, and i don't think that we should let this one game uh completely uh, obscure that fact yeah, I just got to quickly read some more comments. Uh, my favorite comments of the night uh, is going to be from Jamie Williams. He's just replied to me asking the question, Why did my dad do this to me? Most <laughs> 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 weeks, my dad texts me. Well, since we've not been able to go to the game, my dad texts me saying, It does get better, son. And I always text him mm. back a few profanities about putting me into this curse that he was blessed with as a youngster. Yeah, um, I'm going to read out a few more because we've got so many. I want to get people's. I mean, if any of you's got any opinions on any of these before we wrap up, uh, just jump in. Uh, Daryl Waterhouse, can we just ask to see if any of our fans think any players won personal battles? Also, support is awful off long balls, not won a second ball or a game. Bradley Rettler, was anyone better than five out of ten? Maybe. Probably not. Maybe. Probably not. Can you, show, can you show me someone who was five out of ten? Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> BMK. Yeah, Gordon, Gordon was all right. I thought he yeah. caused him a lot of trouble. Yeah, he played pretty well. Um, uh, so, last couple then. Uh, Nico, LM, 19, 78-1. Uh, we're going nowhere until this record return against top six clubs. We're going to have changes. Travis and Football Club, 25 years out of trophy is bad, but results against the top six away from home is just as bad, if not worse. Uh, James Gainford, Matt, there were three... In fact, anyone's got quite a good point. If anyone... So Matt, if there were three players in midfield tonight that cost a combined total of £100 million. When the questions get asked of them from the club, teammates, staff, etc., if you respect the club enough, then you don't allow this mediocrity to continue over and over again. <laughs> yeah, they should just stop. They should start playing better, Matt. Why yeah. hasn't anyone at the club told these guys to be better? I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's <laughs> nice for that sort of thing. Go on, Matt. <laughs> How mad is it that on the stroke of half time you're winning one nil and your skipper has a go at your left wing yes. every week for not tracking back? Honestly, it, 
I, I agree with that point 100%. That where is the, 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 the little nasty piece of work in our team or the leader who, who's not taking a five-hour right. ten unless who's just saying, just dig, dig your mates out and say, you're having a stinker here. Where's your pride? Where's your fight? They all seem to just turn their heads round every time there's problems yeah. and no one picks up the baton to, to drag us. And, and we haven't had that in a long, long time. And you can, yeah. even thinking back to, to the article, Dave, with the Miguel Delaney talking about Ancelotti being passed it or whatever. Those top six stats are years before the man was even a star in the sky at being appointed to Everton. We have had this for too long where there is yeah. no one who is going to go and grab us by the ball, yeah. so to speak. And it almost feels as though that's, that's, got to, that's got to come from a young player that we've got now. And this is where you look at Mason Holgate and hope he's it because it feels like we've tried to import that leader from other yeah. clubs in the past, like Pell, Rooney, Classen, Ashley Williams. It's like, well, Ashley they've, Williams, they've, yeah. they've been a leader elsewhere. Let's just yeah. bring them in and put them in our team. And there'll be a leader here as well. But yeah. it almost feels as though those lads have come here from clubs. Some of them, most of them bigger clubs than Everton, just sort of gone, oh, this is a nice little payday. It feels as though we're in a position where we need a younger player. Like I said, Holgate looks like he might be it, which is encouraging at least. Sort of organically develop into that person who's going to hold everyone to a high standard. 100%. And we need, we need exactly that. And uh, as you say, like signing players who have done their leadership role for however many years, possibly a better team. But sometimes, Matt, if you look at Sigurdsson, if you look at Williams, if you look at a few other people who have brought in for big money who were meant to come in and, and, and take the team to the next level, they're actually coming from teams that, if, they, if the team's better than us or bigger than us, it's very rare they're going to sell a player who's really going to go on to better things. And if they're lower than us, then you're going to have to overpay because they'll just get someone else in. Like yeah. there's, there's selling teams in, in the Premier League and it's strange because the likes of Mason Holgate, the likes of Richarlison, we want them to be leaders. But they'll be off in years, two, three years, because they're, they're surrounded by passengers who play football every week just to, just to, to, to be part of the game. Or It is one of those things. It's, it's not about taking part or whatever, but it feels like we are sometimes and we're just happy to sit in that mediocre and 11th place just suits us down to a tee at the moment. Because we're not even top 10 material. We're just the best of the rest. And the rest being nine teams below us, which are, are, are struggling big time, by the way. There's no one behind us who would think, oh, they could push on for Europe. We're just, we're just at the bottom of that can-get-results pile. Yeah. And everyone else is scrapping to stay in the league. And, and that's the worry, most worrying thing. Hey, but- guys, leaders, leaders are either leaders or they're not. And, and I know that that sounds like a really obvious statement, but to, to Adam's point, I mean, Michael Keane was a captain. Guilty Sigurdsson was a captain. Like, it's to the point where captain, the word captain means nothing to me whatsoever. And I don't really care about your really articulate interview in the local paper. I don't care about, you know, the same generic rallying call every time. It is to Adam's exact point. Um, and it doesn't, you know, I'm not talking about the hard man stuff either. I'm just talking about, you know, who are the guys that are going to be doing the things when they're not in front of the camera? Who are the guys who are going to be doing, you know, having the hard conversations with other players about what is acceptable and what is not? Um, we can only surmise that we just don't have those players or we have players who have not felt for whatever reason empowered to be those players yet and they need to get empowered and they need to get empowered quick. And, and that is why 
I, and I come in for a lot of criticism on this, but uh, look, we all love the story and the underdog story of Seamus Coleman. Um, Phil Jagielka was a really good player here for a decade. Neither of them have in any way shown themselves to be effectual captains. Um, Holgate, we think is that guy, but it's at a certain point he has, you know, he has to, you don't even have to, uh, real leaders don't even have to be named captain. Yeah. They, they just do it. They lead. And, 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 and hopefully we're starting to see that from some of the players, but the fact that we're talking about our 23 and 24 year old players being those guys, as opposed to our more seasoned players who are on big wages, who have been captains previously, um, who have got accolades and have done things in the premier league before the fact that those guys are passengers, that just makes their indifference uh, th- their overall indifference uh, hurt even more because that's what it feels like. Whether they, whether they want to say it's not indifference or not, the, the bottom line is, is that we, when you're paid that much, you're not just expected to do, you know, one thing you're expected to do all the things. We just don't have enough of that. You've got to die. For, you, you, it sounds stupid. It sounds like a proper, you die comment. You've got to go every single game. I'm going to die for that badge because otherwise you get taken to bits by robots City have got a team full of robots. They just play football. They don't know anything else. And looking at the likes of the stats, Guilfi Sigerson, no tackles attempted. They didn't even put that toe dip in that Gary Neville picked up. And I'm glad that they never, because that wasn't a tackle and that wasn't an attempted tackle. Yeah, uh, loads of questions to, to answer, certainly. Uh, really good stuff, lads. Really enjoyed that. Matt. circumstances. Yeah, Dave, go ahead. Uh, no, just, are you still arguing with Miguel or are you, you joining us now? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I've I've been fully immersed in the conversation there, and I think Adam's points are absolutely right as your dad as they sound. <laughs> but the the the, uh, the points I want to say is that I'd um, maybe state the obvious here, but I'd be really happy if Guilfi Sigerson never put on an Everton shirt again. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that was one of the worst things I've ever seen. That. Yeah, genuinely, yeah, and that's not of... just because of today. Oh that's no, of course not. Of, of course not. But years, that, that... it's a two-year problem with it. Well, that <laughs> that underlines what he has and what he what he's been for many. The story that broke the camel's back was the derby, wasn't it? With that, um, the, what was the stat that Matt Cheatham told us in 19 minutes without touching a ball? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know that, that that that's worse than tonight. But when you see that. physical examples, and I was so happy that he never called it out. Yeah, I think it was about 27 minutes. And just, just finally on that, I remember listening to an interview with Neville a while ago. We did with Graham Hunter. He was talking about his commentary and he said he'll never go in on somebody who has done things, something wrong once. He said he'll wait two or three times. And I remember the game against Arsenal when we played them away. He went in, in on him then, didn't he, as well? Because he didn't trap yeah. off and he wasn't showing up endeavour. And it felt like tonight that that tackle, or tackle in inverted commas, if you will, the sort of, I mean, I don't know if you got the same commentary ever in the States, Rob, but, but Gary Neville effectively went in two-footed on, on Guilty Sigurdsson uh, for a, for a yeah. long second half and for not putting tackles in, for not showing the required work ethic. So, um, he, he, he felt like he transformed into an Everton at the end there. <laughs> no, my, my favourite thing about the commentary here at halftime, I think you guys will get a kick out of this, was that when they showed the replay of the dust-up between uh, Lloris and Son, uh, the, the first comment from the studio people was, that's really odd because Son is the nicest guy in the world. Mm. <laughs> and that, to me, basically summed up my whole evening. I was just <laughs> like, yep, there we go. Lots, <laughs> uh, really appreciate that. We've got them a lot more than I thought we were going to, but, you know, three points nonetheless. Hope everybody's felt that was a departing experience. Like I said, we're back um, subs weekly for Blue Rex subscribers. 
that'll be out on Tuesday night. Uh, I've got Paddy Boylan's from the Athletic on that. I'd be interested to see what Paddy has to say. A weekly on Wednesday, and then Southampton. Uh, the games keep on coming. A good chance for everyone to turn things around again. I've got us in Park on Thursday. So we'll see how they do on that. Uh, but that's been your instant reaction for Tottenham 1 at Everton Hill. Thanks for listening. Thanks for interacting on Twitter. I'll speak to you again very soon. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Stay cool this summer with AC Pro and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get a $15 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card after mail-in rebate with the purchase of select AC Pro ready-to-use refrigerant products that include a hose and gauge. Beat the heat before you hit the road with AC Pro at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Sports Social Podcast Network.